0: I'm excited um, that today we are beginning a 13-week um, kickoff and then experience going through um, the Experiencing God material. Some of you are going to use the Experiencing God workbook. Over, well over half of you uh, signed up to, to purchase a book and I think some after today are going to say I still want a book. Um, so a bunch of us are going to are going we're all going through it but some of you are actually going to do the 5 out of 7 days a week studies and I really encourage y'all to do that. I'm so excited about starting this today. And the reason I'm so excited is because I have personally gone through the material that we're going to go through over the next 13 weeks at least one time a year for the past 20 years. Pastor Pete, this is my silent prayer retreat. You know, I go on silent prayer retreat, but this is something I do a spiritual exercise I do for for 12 weeks At least once every single year. And I can honestly say, without believing for a second, I'm exaggerating, it has changed my life. It has shaped much of my theology in how God operates among his people. And um, so I'm really excited about that. Um, I have also, in addition to going through it myself, I have led multiple people—I couldn't count how many people—through small groups through this material over the years, and I have found it to be the best single tool that I've ever used to help people develop a greater or a more personal, real relationship with God, and to help them help them to enter into the activity of God for themselves. You see, here's something that, that um, is a natural thing that we gravitate to in the church world. We gravitate towards performers and spectators. But that's not how God designed His church. Matter of fact, you hear this little tiny thing called the Reformation a number of years ago? That's really what it was all about, that whole issue. Take away the fact that it kind of split the church in half, um, which is the downside of it. The upside was it was trying to say, wait, wait, there's not just performers and spectators that we're all performers in God's equation, in God's kingdom. We all are vitally important. Matter of fact, there is no one person who's more important than another person. There's no one gifting that's more important, and there's no one little group that holds all the ecclesiastical church power, and they disseminate to other people that rather we are a priesthood of believers because it's very clearly what the New Testament preaches. Well, experiencing God helps us to do that. It helps us grasp a hold of the fact that you are a vital part of God's church family, as vital as I am. It's going to elevate your expectations of what God is going to do through you and how you are going to experience the goodness of God in your life and you don't have to get a second hand through somebody else. Now, that sounds exciting to me. that sound exciting to you? Amen. So... That's why that's why I love this so so much. Now, before I talk about anything that particularly pertains to the experience of God in materials, matter of fact, I'm only going to use talk about the materials for a very short period of time today. And 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 trust me, if you're not going through the book, every single week will still be a blessing. Um, but. Uh, so I'm not going to take a day, because today's the introduction to this series, and we have to introduce it before we launch into it. So you have to do, you have to do the workbook, if you're going to do the workbook, before we talk about what the contents of that, of that chapter is. So today's an introduction, um, but I'm not going to really talk about the Experiencing God materials that much today. Um, because first today, I want to explain to you why I believe the Lord led me to do this at Portview Corporately at this time. Matter of fact, I have never before used this material corporately. I've only ever used it in small groups and personally. And I felt compelled to do it. Matter of fact, I felt compelled to do it for a couple of years now and I've resisted every time because I thought, yeah, it's really great small group material. And I actually asked the last group of people last year as we went through experiencing God in a small group, I said, Who thinks I should do this for the whole church? It wasn't even out of my mouth. Yes! Every hand went up, yes! I see some people nodding their head We're in that group. They're like, yes, let's do it for the whole church. And here's the thing is, some people would say, oh, I did it before. No, I do it every year. I, I would do it every quarter because it's, it's not about it's not reading a book. It's about experiencing God. It's about learning how to experience God. It's just guidelines to guide you on how do you ex- learn to interact, identify and interact with God. And so um, I want to talk about why I believe the Lord led me to do this at this time because I think it's a... It's, it's because it's at a critical time, not critical meaning bad, critical meaning opportunistic. A great opportunity to advance, to move forward as a church. Um, and to talk about that, I want to explain something that God's been doing in my heart for about four and a half years. Believe it or not, I've been here four and a half years. This Christmas is five years. It's, we're getting old. <laughs> when 5 years goes like that, that you know that's longer than it took you to go through high school you know 5 years this christmas and there's been a section of scripture that ever since i've been at portview I keep feeling drawn to. Matter of fact, never before in 20 years of ministry before that, did I really always feel compelled to go back to one particular section of Scripture. And over the last number of years, I've read it, and I've reread it, and I've prayed through it, and I've thought about its implications, and I've just kind of sensed in my spirit, believing that God has been kind of directing me to this over the last number of years, to serve in essence as kind of like a road map that He wanted me to follow in its principles as i have been given the responsibility before him to direct the direction of portview church and and your lives and my life and it's this in scripture there's the story of the construction and the dedication of the temple that solomon built for the lord in jerusalem a really familiar section of scripture it's found in second chronicles Chapters three through seven. You can turn there if you want, and I'm going to refer to a few things. I'm not actually going to read word for word any of it because I'm going to, I'm going to, to, um, kind of give the big picture of certain things of the whole thing. And I'm going to encourage you today to go back and read Second Chronicles chapter three verses, chapter Second Chronicles chapters three through seven, because something the Lord's been drawing me back to for years now, and I don't know that I've ever said that publicly before. I don't think I have. And as I've been meditating on these verses, these chapters, over the last number of years, there's really two main things that I keep being drawn to about this historical event. That for the temple to be what God intended for it to be, that it needed two things, primarily. First, it needed structure. For the temple to be what God wanted it to be, it first needed structure. And in 2 Chronicles, chapters 3 and 4... It just deals with nuts and bolts, structure issues about the temple. It deals with its size, its dimensions, the type of materials being used. It even deals with the weight of the nails that were used. Read through it and I'll tell you, this is how much the nails weighed that went into building the temple. It deals, two chapters, just dealing with detail, structure, and order. Some of you who swing more on the charismatic side, you hate that stuff you go well, who cares about the structure let's just get in the spirit you know and some of you are accountants faster <laughs> <laughs> mitch you love this stuff details structure order you know that's it's the way your brain wires so is wired so so part of it two chapters of it deals with structure just you know you, you read it and you go why is god telling me how much the nails weighed who really cares Well, he obviously cares about the structure. But then the next chapters in this section deal with what I want to call presence. Deal with the presence. The presence of God inhabiting or filling the temple, filling the structure. See, at the end of chapter 5, it tells that after all the structure was completed, it says, after it was all done, All the people were assembled, and then the priests, and the Levitical singers, and the instrumentalists, which says a ton for the need for worship people. All those people came together to lead in the dedication of the temple, to lead in the dedication of the structure that they'd worked on for years and years and years, and that as they did that, that the presence of God filled the temple matter of fact, it says that the cloud of God, and they were familiar with the cloud of God, the same cloud that they had followed through the wilderness, they were familiar with the same cloud that was on the mountain when God gave the commandments, they were familiar with the manifestation of God through the cloud, that the cloud of God, the presence of God, filled the temple to such an extent that the priests could not even stand to minister, they could not stand up, because the glory of God filled the house of God, is what it says. And then it repeats it, and... As best as I can discern, chapter 7 is not a repeat of chapter 5, because then it says from Solomon's perspective, and so I really believe it's two separate events in the same time, then in chapter 7 it records that when Solomon prayed a prayer of dedication of the structure, that he had overseen the structure, it says that fire came down from heaven and consumed the offering, and the glory of the Lord filled the house that the presence of God was made real in that place to such an extent that, that nothing else could go on. Now, this is what I have taken away from that story over the last number of years of, of reading it, meditating on it, and pray through it. And it's this that both of those are needed for God to get the greatest glory and for His ministry to be advanced in the greatest ways. That you need structure and you need presence. That you need both of those things. They're both vitally important. One's not more important. If you if you neglect one, it won't be what it should be. If you neglect the other, it won't be what it should. If you put all your energy into one, you'll miss something over here. you put all your energy into the other, you'll miss something over here. That God's plan for the greatest glory for Himself and the greatest advancement of His kingdom um, and the greatest impact of His church is that both are present. And as a church and as individuals... Not just a church thing. We're talking about your life. See, so here's what you need to understand. Your individual life affects what goes on here. So it's talking about your individ- the application of these principles to your individual life. And then when we all come together, how does it apply corporately? And of course, then there's ways corporately I look at how do I organize so that these two things function in the same capacity in conjunction. They don't fight each other, they complement each other. And they're both, they're both given energy. And so as a church and as individuals... We need both structure and presence for us to bring God the greatest glory and for us to advance His kingdom in the greatest extent here in our community in southeast Wisconsin. We need structure. Some people don't like that, but we need structure. I swing towards the structure side. We need structure. We need the organization. We need the methods. You've heard me say things like when I brought Pastor Paul in, I said, I want an 18-year plan on how you're going to develop a kid from the day he's born until that kid leaves here and goes off to college. And I meant it. And he said to me the other day, hey, I'm up through this year. I want structure because I see it everywhere in Scripture. When I look at creation, all I see is structure. When I look at everything God has done, all I see is structure. I see God putting together all the pieces in a very organized way. And so we need structure, we need the organization, we need the methods. You know, one of the greatest moves of God in the entire history of Christianity has been the Methodist Church. You know why they had the name, the Methodist? Because Wesley created a method. And he put it in a book. And he said, you don't have to be so educated, just follow the book. Follow the method. And the book just came out of the book. So method is important. We need methods. We need processes. We need procedures. We need the structure. We need Regularly scheduled prayer meetings. And we need regularly scheduled classes. And we need people to be in small groups. Because we understand the structure. It helps foster the proper things in our lives. We need greeter ministries and usher ministries and worship teams that come hours and hours early and practice. And when you're at home watching TV, they're here at night practicing. Why? So that they can not perform, they can really minister to the Lord. That last Wednesday when you head off, Royal Ranger leaders were here working on structure. So structure is important. However, we also need presence. As much as we need structure, we need presence. Now we are um, a Pentecostal organization. We understand presence. But I think as a nation, maybe, as a world, at least as an organization, we have swung way to structure for maybe the last 25 years, and we've neglected presence. And the reason we've neglected presence is because a lot of people who are presence people weirded us out. They did all kinds of things that didn't line up with this book. And we said, but, 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 and so what we tend to do as people is we swing from one extreme to the other, and so what happens is sometimes we neglect presence, but I want to tell you, as important as structure is, presence is just as important for our personal lives. If you don't walk in the presence of God, I will say this. You will not continue on with Jesus in your walk very long. If you don't feel Him, you don't hear His voice, you don't sense His direction, it's empty religion, and eventually you'll just get tired of spending your Sunday mornings going to a church, and you'll go fishing instead. you look for any reason not to be here. You'll get tired of your wife or your husband or your kids nagging you and you'll stop coming. That's not a structure issue. That's a presence issue. It's a lack of the presence of God. We need it in our personal lives and we need it in our corporate spiritual life also. God must be presence. His presence, my friends, must be noticeable, first of all. Um, noticeable in a couple ways. First of all, through the intangibles. Things like this. I feel God. Or I hear Him, I think, I believe, I hear Him speaking to me. Somebody recently, family in the church, did what we should all be doing all the time and they took a risk and they invited some, some unchurched people to come to church with them. And they came to church, it was a friend of their daughter's, they came to church and I said what did your, pe- what did your friend say? And they said we felt something. We felt God in that place. That's the intangible. You're in worship and you feel something. You're, 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 you're preaching, I'm preaching, and you sense God is not just me saying words, but God, by His Word, in spite of me, is speaking to you. You hear His voice. Those are kind of the intangible ways that God is noticeable. But there's also very tangible ways that God is noticeable, but for in His presence. Things like this. We say, John, or pull the name, John met Jesus as Lord and Savior. Or Sally was healed you know what? We have real Johns and real Sallies. The real Johns are people like Bill's. And the real Sallies are people like Cody, who was prayed for and he was healed. Here in this place, not so long ago, and many stories of those things, all kinds of people say, I got saved here. I was healed here. The tangibles, they can only really say, no, it happened. I was going down this path and I met Jesus and I went that way. Or, I was, I was sick and now I'm well and it was because people prayed for me matter of fact, one of these weeks, it reminds me, we, I need to have you give your testimony, Tony, because Tony's a walking miracle. The doctors finally told her, you're a miracle. She has children. They're like, you know what? You don't. or we're, We can't figure it out. You're a miracle. And I, I keep saying, I need you to give your testimony. So one of these days, I keep forgetting, we're going to have you give your testimony, Tony, on, on a miracle of healing. Those are tangible. The doctors scratch their heads and they go, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. That's a tangible noticeable presence of God. We might not have a cloud settle in, but we still have the tangible, noticeable presence of God. The tangible presence of God is, when when you say this, I felt convicted of my sin, so I repented. It's noticeable. You know what's noticeable? Believers really loving and caring for one another... When being people who care goes from being a motto on a church sign to being the core of your life, so you act different in every part of your life, it it constrains you in everywhere you go, in everywhere you act, not just here. You say, I must be a person who cares because the love of Christ is in me. Those are signs, tangible and intangible signs, of His presence. Now, I think we understand the organization part of it. So I want to spend some time today talking about his presence this morning. It's a little little more difficult. It takes a little more time. How long can I take talking about how many pounds of nails should be in the construction of something? I don't know. I'm done. But the presence, that's something I want us to think about. A dimension of this I want us to think about today. Because... We desperately need the presence of God. We already say there's tangible and intangibles here, but I'm going to tell you this, um, by the the truth of the Word of God, God has more. He wants us to experience His presence more, in more dynamic and real ways. So I want to spend some time talking about His presence this morning, because here's the deal, friends, the only thing that can make us uniquely His church is His presence. You see, in Solomon's day, there were many beautiful buildings. Matter of fact, Solomon was responsible for building this building, but Solomon built all kinds of beautiful buildings that had incredible structures, and that structure for those buildings was incredibly important. There was always beautiful structure, but none of the other buildings was like the temple for only one reason. The presence of God was there. That's what made it unique and powerful. And that's what we want in our lives and in our church. Now for us, we can have all the structure in the world. We can have our programs that can can run smoothly. We can educate kids. We can disciple converts. We can greet visitors. And I think we're doing those pretty well. We've got a ways to go in every department. But we've made great progress. But that will not really change lives. That will not really produce real followers, real disciples of Jesus. We need God's presence in all of its fullness as well as structure. We need the presence of God in in ever-increasing ways. And I'd like to make a distinction this morning for you that I think is going to be really helpful. It's going to be really important for you to understand about the presence. I want to make a distinction talking about presence about two words I want to use today. And one, for anybody who knows church history, the second one's going to get you a little nervous, but hang on. I'll define it in a little while, okay? So I want to talk about idea of presence, the difference between the omnipresence of God, who's familiar with that term omnipresence, God is omnipresent, okay? And what I want to call the manifest presence of God. Now you may be familiar with the term omnipresence, omnipresent, it's a term used to describe God as being present everywhere all the time in all His fullness, In Jeremiah 23, 24, God declared this. He said, do I not fill heaven and earth? He's talking about his omnipresence. He's always everywhere, always in all of his fullness. God is always here. God is always present everywhere. I think we kind of get that. God's everywhere. Now with that being said, we must realize something. And I want you to pay attention to how I'm saying this this morning. That although God is always everywhere present, He's omnipresent, yet God acts differently in different places. It's why Suzanne said this morning, what I've always opened a service saying, we know God is everywhere always, but we need to connect with Him today. We need to welcome Him into our own lives. We need to, what we're gathered in His name, that we need to experience His reality that although God is omnipresent, He is always, everywhere, always, yet God acts differently by His presence in different places. And friends, that is the principle of manifest presence. God's present being manifest, being revealed in real and tangible ways when the Cody's get healed. The manifest presence of God. Now, some of you, and I, should, I was afraid to even open this can of worms by saying some of you get a little freaked out because the term manifest presence or a manifest sons of God was used in a kind of an errant way in times past. And I'm not going down that path. I'm defining something that we understand here and now. The difference between God always everywhere, but sometimes God acts differently in different places. Friends, it's what Saul, manifest presence, the principle of manifest presence, is what Solomon and Israel experienced at the dedication of the temple. God was always surely with them. They knew that. But in that moment of dedication, God manifest His presence in a powerful way. The fire consumed the sacrifice, the cloud of God came, the priests couldn't stand up, and Solomon couldn't go on. God manifest, revealed His presence in very real ways. The principle of manifest presence is what we see... When Jesus came off the Mount of Transfiguration, you probably remember the story. Jesus is up there and and God is revealing Himself to Jesus and some of His disciples are there. The rest are left off the mountain and they're experiencing this incredible presence of God. But then when Jesus comes off the Mount of Transfiguration, can you remember the first thing He encounters? The first thing He encounters when He comes off the mountain is He comes to a man and His disciples where a man's son is possessed by a demon... And the disciples have been trying and trying and trying to set this boy free, and they can't do it. And Jesus walks up, says, what's going on? And Jesus ministers, and the possessed boy is set free. And although the, the other guys tried, they couldn't do it, but Jesus comes in and He does it. Try as they may before Jesus was there. They had all the proper structure. Because they had been walking with Jesus. They knew what he did. They had the right doctrine. They used the right methods. Yet they could not do what needed to be done spiritually. But when the presence of God was manifest in the person of Jesus, the impossible happened. And this little boy was set free from demonic oppression. What made the difference? God's manifest presence. His revealed presence. The entire time the disciples were trying, God was surely present. Right? He's omnipresent. He was everywhere always. Surely God was present when they were praying for the boy. Yet things were different when God's presence was revealed in Jesus by a gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's what happened. We also see this principle of manifest presence when one day, Peter and John are walking to the temple and there's a man who's lame in his feet who was sitting there every single day, it says, by the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, and he was begging for alms. He was begging for gifts, because he was a, a poor beggar with bad feet, and he couldn't work. And that man sat at that gate of the temple every single day. Now friends, listen. Put yourself into context. This man is at the temple of God. Surely the omnipresence of God was understood and embraced in that place of all places. Because that's the exact location where at the previous temple, temple was built, destroyed, and rebuilt, that that spot right there was the place that we read about with Solomon building where the presence of God filled the place. Of any place they understood the omnipresence of God, they understood it there. But somehow still, the lame man sat there day after day, year after year, in the omnipresence of God and was not healed. But then one day, Peter and John, disciples of Jesus, they show up on the scene. And they just look at the guy, and I love what they say to him. Silver and gold have I none. But what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And he jumps up and he starts walking and leaping and praising God. He's healed. The presence of God by the gift of the Holy Spirit, was manifest in that moment through the ministry of those two Christ followers. The manifest presence of God made all the difference. Jesus said it in another way in Scripture. And this is what I referred to earlier, what Suzanne referred to earlier. That in Matthew 18, 20, Jesus said, For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. Now he's talking about church discipline, but he's giving us a principle. He's saying, where two or three are gathered in my name, that I surely am there in their midst. Somehow, in a unique fashion, I am there in your midst. We know the omnipresence of God. He's always there. Yet, somehow, something can be different about His presence when a group of believers are gathered in His name, in unity. It becomes powerful. Friends, it's why God has created His church to do what no other organization can do. And let me give you a little sidebar here. It's why, and I, now, don't be mad at me. It's why parachurch organizations or staying at home and watching so and so on TV is not God's plan for your life. I honestly believe that, based on the truth of scripture and the, and the doctrine of the manifest presence of God. That God says, gather together in my name. As a matter of fact, he says, do not forsake the assembling of together, the assembling of one another. Why? Because somehow, when we are gathered in His name, something is different, about the, can be different. It doesn't have to be. You can go gather and be deader in the doornail. But it can be different. He can reveal His presence to the world. How? Primarily through His church. That's why it's so important, the church. It's why your church is so important. We become a place where the structure can be filled with His presence as a church and... Because it can be taken too far. And in your individual lives, and there's the balancing act here, and in your individual life, the same is true. You build your structure. You do the right things. You practice the disciplines. Things like spending time in prayer, spending time in God's Word. Now, if you have just those things, a church attendance, just those things, without the presence of God, you have empty, dead religion, and it's what makes kids grow up, leave the house, and never return to church because they said it was phony. But if you just go up to the presence, they say, Mom and Dad, is, Mom and Dad were, were fruitcakes, and I want nothing to do with church either. So we need the structure of God, And we need the presence of God married together the way this story shows us for the maximum effectiveness of what God wants in your personal life and in our church community. Is that making sense? Okay. I feel like I'm belaboring it, but I'm trying to make it you don't miss the point. Now, that is what experiencing God is all about. The study we're going to do over the next, from here, 12 more weeks that's what the study of experiencing God is all about. won't use those exact same terms, but that's really what it's all about. It's a structure designed to lead us to a greater experience in the presence of God. It's a structure that seeks to open us up to the experience of the manifest presence of God. In a nutshell, it will teach us to watch for and notice God's manifest activity around us, and to join Him in that activity um, where we will then see the supernaturalness of God and through that experience we'll come to know God in a more personal, a more real, and a more loving relationship which is all about His presence. That's what it's all about. Now I do know that all of you are not going to do the workbook and that's, that's, that's your choice. I wish you all would because I think you'd get a huge blessing out of it. But even if you choose not to do the book, I believe that God is going to merge His presence with His structure in wonderful ways over the coming number of weeks. And even if you're not going to do the book, one of the things you can still do is that each week we're going to have a scripture memory verse that you're going to try to own. So it's going to be 12 verses you're going to try to, to, to burn into your, into your heart over the next 12 weeks. And each week we'll begin with that scripture memory verse and I'm going to challenge you to try to memorize it. So here's what it is for this week. If you have got a book, you're going to see in the first page is there. If you don't have a book, you're going to understand, here's what it is. So jot it down and begin to just meditate on the scripture every single day this week. This week it's John 15:5, which says, "I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing." So begin to just meditate on that over the next five or seven days. For those who are doing the workbook, I challenge you today, pick yours up today, if you haven't already, and do unit one, not day one, unit one this week. Five days. There's unit one, unit two, up to unit twelve. Do unit one. And it's usually the maximum of five out of seven days, sometimes four out of seven days. And so five out of seven days this week, And just, I don't think you have any instructions, when you open the book and you read it from the first page, it tells you exactly what to do. If you have questions, call the office. But it tells you, chapter one is basically just an, day one is an instruction on what to do for the rest of the time. Completely self-explanatory. So I am excited to see what God is going to do during the next 13 weeks. And here's what we're going to do today. I have purpose, compressed what I want to talk about, Because Suzanne said earlier, it's Communion Sunday, and you said, oh, they forgot to do communion. No, we didn't forget to do communion. We're going to end our service with communion. Matter of fact, if the service team would would get ready, we're going to distribute the elements in just a minute. And we're going to take communion together for a reason. The same reasons we always have, but also, I want us as a church family to get to dedicate ourselves to seeking Jesus and the presence of the Spirit of God through this process. That we're going to seek to say, God, how am I part of the structure? And we're going to long for His presence in greater dimensions. We're going to ask God for His fullness, to be to, for us to experience in tangible and intangible ways the fullness of God's presence as individuals and as a church. And so if our service team would come at this time, begin to distribute the elements I want you all to receive them and then as we do then I'm going to pray if you're visiting with us you'll receive one cup or you take one out there's actually two cups together and the bottom cup has the bread in it just separate them you can just take the bread out of the cup and then the second cup is communion so as you are receiving these today what I'm going to pray about in addition to just talking about what communion is is that communion is about structure and presence that's what it is Jesus said this is what I want you to do communion he gave these instructions he said this is what I want you to do when you get together take bread take the cup The the drink, And I want you to to remember me. Do this in remembrance of me. That was talking about a structure that I want you to repeat. For over 2,000 years, we've been repeating the structure. That's the structure side. But he says to do it in remembrance of me. And he did it with elements that we hold in our hands, but we do more than holding our hands. He could have just had us hold up a cross and remember him that way, but he didn't. He had us take elements that we hold in our hands and we do something more than that. We then take them and we ingest them. They're all about presence. It's all about God being with us. It's about that when I eat the bread, God is with me. When I, when I drink the cup, God is with me. That it's about the presence of God, the marrying of the structure and the presence. And so we take communion together. Every time we do it, we're celebrating this principle. And so we want God to guide us in the structure that He has for us. The thing that I that I long for is that when, when He had Moses in the wilderness build the tabernacle which preceded the temple, he told them exact details. And then he told Solomon, doesn't say it, but it's inferred that he that he told them how to build it. And I'm always like, God, show me what to do. I want to know your structure. Show me how to do it. Show me what you want us to do. But then the other side is, we say, God, every day, this structure of my life, the structure of this church, it needs to be filled with your presence. The Lord gave the Apostle Paul instructions on serving doing communion. He said that when we take communion, we should remember Who Jesus is and what he's done. We've been talking about that. Jesus, it's all about him. Jesus is the one, the central thing, his structure, his presence. He's the one who died on the cross for your sins. He's the reason we gather together. Because everything he's done. He's the one we go to. We look to the Lord. When we take communion, it tells us 1st Corinthians chapter 11 it tells us that before we take communion we should examine ourselves we should think about our own lives we should think about today in particular what about structure and presence is God leading me to structures is he is he challenging me in ways to to make sure I structure my life in a certain way is he saying you know what Church is so important that you shouldn't miss it. Instruction. Or is he saying, praying with your family is so important, you shouldn't skip it? Or is he saying, spending time daily in my word is so important, you need it because I want to speak to you? Instruction. Maybe he's talking to us about the presence, his presence. And he's saying, Have you really been filled with my spirit? Have you invited the Spirit of the Lord to come and to fill you in all of His fullness? To come and to to, um, to breathe life into you, but then to flow through you as He wants to manifest Himself. Have you just been open to the fullness of the Spirit of God? I believe that's what God wants for us to do. Maybe there's things in your life that are standing in your relationship right now. You say, God, you know what? want to advance, but I just know you're speaking to me about this certain issue in my life, this addiction or this obstacle. Friends, the most powerful thing on the planet is the presence of God. He can set you free today. Ask Him. But also, maybe you're here today and all this talk about God and structure and presence, and you say, I don't really understand it, or I don't really know any of it there's nothing real to me about it because you know in your heart you've never given your life to Christ you've never met him his his presence has never come in your life and therefore the structure has never been present but something's going on inside your heart right now and it's saying this is for you that that's you today I encourage you to invite Jesus to come into your life today just say Jesus I need you in my life I want you to forgive me of my sins, but I also want you now to walk with me, carry me along every single day of my life, so that this would be the first day of a life where Jesus now rules in your world. He becomes the leader of your life. You can do that in the quietness of your seat, you simply talking to God in your heart. And that's what we would like for you to do. At Parkview, we serve an open communion. Which means you do not need to be a member of our church to partake. But I do ask that you think about these things. And right now, I want to simply, before we partake, I want to pray for us as a church family. And I ask this today, Lord. Structure and, prince, and presence, God. Structure and presence. Lord we ask that you would be so clear in guiding us as individuals and as a church and God over the next 13 weeks as we dedicate ourselves to doing something all together and I know you thrive in unity so when all of us are doing this together I just know I expect incredible things to happen so Father as we focus on a structure leads us to your presence over the coming days and weeks. We ask God so fill us with your presence that we would never be the same. God baptize people in your Holy Spirit. Fill us to overflow. God speak to us about structure. Marry the ideas together in our mind. And over these coming days, God, as we look for your activity around us and we willingly say we want to engage in your activities, we ask, God, that incredible things would happen. That, God, we would have story upon story to relate to you, to our congregation, about how good you are as we walk through this process together. I pray God that that you would just guide and direct us that you would help us that any person who says oh it's too big of a challenge for me would understand that with you nothing is too difficult. And that God we would see the impossible become possible as we just dedicate ourselves to you in special ways now God I can't think of any better way to do this than right now as a church family to celebrate communion together Lord, you took bread and you broke it. You said, this is my body. Take it. Eat it, all of you. Do this in remembrance of me. And today, God, in remembrance of you, who you are, how great you are, we thank you for your life. We thank you that you lived the life. You did the structure. You went and you lived and you ministered and you died for our sins. We thank you for that. We remember it. And we celebrate it. We dedicate ourselves to you today. With that in mind, church, let's partake of the bread today. And after they had eaten, Jesus took the cup. and said, this cup, this wine, is a symbol of of my blood, which is poured out for you for a new covenant, a new deal in His blood. And we see in Your Word, Lord, that Your Word says that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And so, Lord, we thank You, Jesus, that You You died and You shed Your blood for us. And by our, by Your blood, we are set free. By Your blood, we are healed. And so, Lord, this morning we seek your presence. We say, God, as we hold this cup in our hand, and in a moment we're going to drink it in, we ask, God, that we would in the same way experience the fullness of your Holy Spirit in our lives as individuals and as a church. Fill us with your presence. In real and tangible ways, we'd experience your goodness. Friends, let's partake of the cup together. Would you stand with me this morning? Heavenly Father we love You and we thank You for giving us life, new life in Christ. For Your presence being so very real in this place and Lord we ask as we dedicate ourselves to You that we would never be the same. That the things of the world would really grow dim as we draw close to You and experience Your nearness in this place. churches were in prayer this morning I would ask you this if you know you really need a touch from God this morning before you walk out the doors of this church spend some time with the Lord if you need prayer come to this altar and myself and our other pastors will pray with you believing that the presence of God is powerful in your lives and so I would say this as we pray in closing Let's go expecting miracles from God. Let's go expecting God over the next number of weeks to do miraculous things. Let's go expecting the unity of our church and the presence of God to be manifest in wonderful ways. And let's believe that it's going to start today. So if you, when you feel dismissed by the Lord, quietly make your way out of the sanctuary. Pick up your books if you don't have them. But if you want to stay and pray, and if you want prayer, stay and pray, stay in worship. Come forward if you need prayer. And we're just going to believe that God is going to do what only He can do in this place. So church family, God bless you. Have a wonderful day in Jesus. God has awesome things in store. God bless you.